0: We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at CreekwoodUMC or our website CreekwoodUMC.org for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God.
1: Our scripture today comes from Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself, which he sat under in the shade, wanting to see what would become of the city. Then the Lord God appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah to give shade over his head to save him from discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered. When the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, yes, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night and should i not be concerned about nineveh that great city in which there are more than a hundred and twenty thousand people who do not know their right hand from their left and also many animals this is the word of god for us the people of god thanks be to god okay good morning good morning if my
2: voice sounds awful outside the sanctuary that will show you just how much fun that we had. If you wanna check that out after the service, um, just remember, as you're sitting here and you don't like my voice, it it is as awful as much fun as we had. So, yes, Patrick. How about now? Even better. All right, so. The story of Jonah is one that is probably the most recognizable from this sermon series, The Classics. A couple weeks ago, we did Adam and Eve, and we did Genesis 3, and um, we knew a little bit about that story, but what we learned together was that what we know is not what's actually in the Bible, right? And so I believe that off the top of our heads, Jonah is probably the story that we have the most Accurate biblical knowledge off the top of our heads one of the most um, Distinct memories that I have about the story of Jonah is when it was the VBS theme when I was a kid And I don't know how they did it. I don't know how long it took All I remember is that the entire sanctuary turned into a belly of a whale and it was awesome and there were some adults somewhere that listened to their pastor and signed up online to help with VBS and children's ministry, and that's very important, and I still remember it now. Okay, we're catching my point, great. We got to climb inside the belly of a whale. So if you have um, maybe forgotten a few things since 1998, we're gonna review the story of Jonah. So the book of Jonah is found in the Old Testament. And on July 3rd, when we talked about Elijah, um, I tried to give a five minute review of the Old Testament. It ended up being eight minutes, because I'm me. But if you missed it, you can go back on the website and watch it, but I do have our outline that we have for the Old Testament. So you can go back and, um, again, watch, but we are right at the bottom, we're in that purple. Um, We are in the story of Jonah. And Jonah is falling into the section of Kings, and prophets in the Bible. Jonah is a prophet to the southern kingdom. Now, sometimes we think, in the modern sense of the word, that the job of a prophet is to tell the future. And in the Bible, that's not the case. Prophets always tell the truth. That's their job. It's not necessarily to to predict the future, right? Um, It is to tell the truth. Usually what happens um, with a prophet is what they end up delivering as a message is more like a warning. What prophets tell you is that you are moving in this direction. You are moving away from God. And if you don't stop and turn around, things are gonna be bad. So when you go back and you're rereading your prophetic works in the Old Testament. Remember that, it's a prophet's job to tell the truth. And one thing that I hope you get out of this sermon series or any time I talk about the Old Testament is that with prophets, just like the rest of the Old Testament, there is always a chance for repentance. Even in the Old Testament, judgment is never the end of the story. So Jonah is like any regular old prophet. There's plenty of them in scripture. He receives a word from God. And God tells Jonah to go to this town called Nineveh. Can you say Nineveh? Nineveh. There's lots of towns, so we're gonna try to not get lost here. Um, So he's supposed to deliver a message to the town of Nineveh to repent. And Jonah receives the word and he's in a town called Joppa, um, which you now know is Tel Aviv. And so if you're going with David to Israel in January, you get to go to uh, Joppa or now Tel Aviv. If you've ever eaten an orange, it's probably from there. There are great oranges in Joppa. So Jonah receives the word in Joppa to go to Nineveh. But this guy decides to go to Tarshish. Now you're looking at my little handy dandy map here. So let's just have a moment and talk about how ridiculous this is. Jonah's in Joppa. And it's told to take a nice little 550-mile desert hike to Nineveh. But what does my guy do? He gets in a boat and goes via sea, 2,500 miles to Tarshish. Have you ever misfollowed directions that impressively? Kids, yeah, we have not listened to our parents in a way that that's impressive. The dude was not even supposed to get in a boat was supposed to be hiking through the desert and said, no way, Jose, I'm out of here. So Jonah decides to go literally as far as possible. Dude didn't even stop in Northern Africa, he didn't stop in Italy, he goes as far as he can. And you all know what happens next. Jonah's on the ship, there's a giant storm that comes, everybody's trying to figure out why is this giant storm coming and Jonah says, It's me, because I ran away from God, throw me overboard, we'll be good. So they throw him over, and Jonah is swallowed up by a giant fish. Now, the Hebrew word there is not whale, it is giant fish, which I think sounds a lot scarier. Whales seem nice, fish are mean. You all ever seen fish? They're so mean, especially the bigger ones. So Jonah spends three days in the belly of a whale, and if you've never read Jonah 2, and you've never read um, Jonah's Prayer in the Belly of a Whale, I invite you to go read that this afternoon because I think it is one of the best um, pieces of poetry and Scripture that we have. And so Jonah asks for God's forgiveness, and at the end of three days, what happens? The fish spits him out, right? Which just, Does that remind you of anyone else you know that went away for three days and then came back? jesus right right we're thinking we're connecting so that's usually where the story ends jonah ran from god swallowed up by a giant scary fish prayed for forgiveness spit out no big deal that is only half of the story that is two of the four chapters in the book of jonah so in chapter three god starts over clean slate. Jonah receives instructions to go to Nineveh, and it says in chapter three, go to the great city and proclaim to it the message I tell you. And so this time, after spending three days in the belly of a fish, as we all do, Jonah learned his lesson and decided to follow God's instructions. So he gets up and he goes to Nineveh, and he says to the people, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, this is something really interesting in chapter three because God gets a really bad rap here. Um, But if you look closely, God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim it the message I will tell you. And then Jonah went and said, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, here's the deal. That may have totally been what God told Jonah to say. We don't really know. But up to this point, Jonah's not great at following instructions. So I've always wondered, like, did Jonah like, make the message more dramatic than it was supposed to be? You ever played that old game of telephone? Or when you're tattling to your parents about what your younger siblings have done, you make it sound so much worse than it actually is? Right, oldest children, informers, that's what we are. Yeah, you guys get me. I do it too, I still do it, are you kidding me? So, Jonah tells these people what's going to happen. He tells the truth. And what's interesting is that immediately it says, the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. And what this means is that they're putting on mourning clothes, so it's, it's a way of repenting. It would be like everyone, great and small, said, I'm sorry. But this is that outward display. When you wear sackcloth, you are outwardly mourning, you are outwardly showing that there is something going on with you. It's like when you come in here with a sunken look on your face and someone says, what's wrong? That's what sackcloth was. And it says that everyone, great and small, did this. An entire community participated in repentance. And the news even reaches the king of Nineveh, and this guy immediately repents and sends out a royal decree that the people of Nineveh are gonna repent, they're gonna stop their evil doing together, they're gonna fast as a community here's a question I have, if someone came to Fairview, Lucas, Allen, Texas, and said it's going to be destroyed in 40 days, how many of you would put on sackcloth? Or would we point and say it's their fault? Well, it's because of those people. It's because of the people that attend this school or the people that live on this side of town. But Nineveh doesn't do that. A city that is at the beginning of the book of Jonah completely wrong and caught up in evil, not a single finger is pointed. And there are probably people in Nineveh who hadn't done a whole lot of wrong. But they repent as individuals, and they repent as a community, and their leader leads them in repentance. And so at the end of chapter three, it says that God says that there is no destruction that will come to the city of Nineveh. But that is only three of the four chapters of the book of Jonah. You would think this happy ending, it would be super easy, but chapter four is actually our landing spot. So Jonah decides, Jonah, a prophet, receives a word from God, goes and tells the people, the people repent. They hear of the destruction that is going to come to them, and they repent. And what does Jonah do like any good prophet? He gets really mad. He gets so angry that he even brings up his former disobedience. Jonah says, God, dude, this is why I went to Tarshish, because I knew you were gonna be nice to them anyways. You ever blamed God for your own disobedience because God was graceful to someone else? Jonah said, I knew you weren't gonna actually destroy them. That's why I went the opposite way that you told me. Do you remember Adam and Eve, right? God comes to Adam and says, what happened? And Adam says, whoop, the woman you gave me. And God looks at the woman and says, what happened? She said, the snake that you gave me. Jonah says, God, this is why I ran. Because I knew you were gonna be nice anyways. And then Jonah says to God that it is better for him to be dead than to live and see the grace for others. And then this is one of my favorite things. I have a lot of things that that God does in the Bible that I think are funny, but this is one of my favorite. God says to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah, the guy who was in the belly of a fish, which I have to imagine wasn't The Four Seasons, runs from God again, sits on the edge of the city, and begins to pout. Sits in the middle of the desert, and pouts. So one of my uh, things I've been doing for my personal growth lately is I've been working with a coach. And coaching's a little bit different than mentoring, and a little different than therapy, because Um, your coach works with you to solve problems together. Whereas a mentor or a therapist kinda tells you how they would solve their problem. But you work with a coach together. And so one of the things that I've been working on with my coach is understanding what is called regression. When we are in stressful situations, we tend to regress to an age where we experience stressful situations. And if you've ever had a conversation with an upset person and thought, wow, talking to a toddler is easier than this, that's because they're regressing. Right? When we're scared, we regress to a time where we received comfort. When we are angry, we regress to a time where it was okay to really misuse our anger. And so I think it's safe to say that in this instance, Jonah is regressing somewhere towards his toddler age self. Now everyone in here is older than a toddler, right? If we all, and some of you have toddlers, if we all regressed and started walking around and acting like toddlers all the time, Katrina Smith, you have a toddler, what's his favorite thing to do right now? No. No. Also, does he throw things? You are not allowed to throw things, right? What would it be like if we all got up in here and every time you were upset, you threw something at me and said, no, you'd have done it five times in this sermon already. But we don't do that, right? We're adults or we're grown children, some of us. But I think that Jonah is regressing. He's acting like a toddler aged version of himself. These people are not gonna be destroyed. They are accepting forgiveness, and Jonah is sitting and pouting because it's not fair. And then God, and this is probably like, this whole story is probably my favorite version of God in the Bible because God, Jonah is pouting. And parents, when your children are pouting, they're not fun to be around, correct? We usually just leave them. God grows a tree to cover Jonah with shade. There is grace in a tree that grows out of nowhere. So it says that Jonah's happy about the tree, which, way to go, Jonah, proud of you. And the next day, because it's been a whole 24 hours, God appoints a worm to kill the tree. Because it's been 24 hours, and he's still sitting and pouting. And so the tree dies, and Jonah's baking in the hot desert sun, because he's pouting, and he gets upset. And he says, better for me to die than to live. And then God asks my favorite question again. Is it right for you to be angry about a tree? You guys ever said this to a toddler or to a child? Is it right for you to be angry about what television, what stations the television's on? Is it right for you to be angry about reading 10 minutes before you go to bed? Is it right for you to be angry about brushing your teeth? and here's the best part Jonah I swear he's not thinking because God says is it right for you to be angry about the tree and Jonah goes yeah angry enough to die what that's a tree but he's regressing he's in this toddler stage that he's just all feelings and no appropriate space to let them out and then the entire book of Jonah the entire book ends with this this is God speaking you are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow it came into being in a night and it perished in a night and should I not be concerned about Nineveh the great city in which there are more than a hundred and twenty thousand persons who did not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals. That's the end of the story. The book of Jonah ends there. There's no closing song, no resolution. This is just rolling credits. I think it is so easy for me to look at Jonah sitting on top of a hill under the shade of a tree that magically appeared in the middle of the desert. And listen, I'm from West Texas. I know desert. Some of y'all don't know desert. Sitting in the shade of a magical tree that appeared out of nowhere, still judging people. This guy was in the belly of a whale for his disobedience, not a couple weeks, probably, before this. And he's sitting under a tree, in the shade, comfortable, judging people. But honestly, folks, judging people is one of the things that we are best at today. We judge people. We are judging, we are so good at judging people that sometimes we don't realize we're judging people. We judge people by what they wear, what car they drive, if or whom they are married to, how many children they have, how those children behave, what those children wear, how low those children are in church, what school they attend, where they go to church, how big their pool in their backyard is, how extravagant or simple their vacation is, where and how they decide to do their community service, what sport they play, what college they go to, if they went to college. We judge people by what they do or do not, take, eat, drink, smoke, say, do, and love. And even worse, which this, this part is just, again, we judge others for being judgmental. We say, well, God, This is why I ran from you, because you were gonna be nice to them anyways. Look at them judging people, that's so ridiculous. They go to that school. They live in that neighborhood. Is it right for us to be judgmental? I've been in my current, I always have a, something I'm like binging in the background for television. Like I have my things I watch closely and that was Stranger Things. And then there are like shows you put on while you're doing laundry. Um, So right now it's Survivor. And Paramount Plus, I'm not sponsored by them, but maybe after this I will be. They have all 42 seasons of Survivor on there. So I got to go back and I got to start with season one. Now I am not a super fan of Survivor. I remember watching maybe two seasons with my family as a kid. But I do know the reputation Survivor has in culture, right? And so it's really funny to go back and watch season one when nobody really knew what to do, right? So they get to the end, and um, if you don't know how Survivor works, they go out to the middle of nowhere and they try to survive, and they vote someone off every week, and it's way more complicated than that. But at the end, the seven people that are voted off last decide between the last two who gets the million dollars. And in the first season, I think it's absolutely hysterical because they're sitting there and they're so mad at these two people that are left because they lied, because they were deceitful, because they won challenges. And it's funny because in hindsight, I know that the show of Survivor, you have to lie. You have to be deceitful. That's kind of what you sign up for. And I I was watching one of the finales last night and these people are just angry that these people lied to them and they're in the final two. And they're mad because these two made alliances and they weren't part of this alliance but everybody was doing it anyways. And I was just sitting there and I'm watching Survivor and I said, is it right for you guys to be angry? Is it right for them to be upset that somebody lied? Is it right for us to be judgmental? Friends, each one of us has received forgiveness. Like Jonah, like the entire city of Nineveh, for all that we have done and all that we will do. And if you have never heard that message of forgiveness, then this morning, I invite you to stop here. I invite you to take that message and let it seep into your soul and know that you are forgiven. But for the rest of us that already knew that, it's important that we remember that it is not our call to sit under a tree on top of a hill upon a city like Fairview, Allen, or Lucas, Texas, waiting for people to be punished for what they do wrong. It is not, our job to judge or to wait to wait to see others receive what we've decided by human standards is coming for them. I invite you to take the question, is it right for you to be angry? And let that question seep into your soul and melt into it a little bit. I will give you the answer right now. It is not right for us to be judgmental. It is not right for us to be angry. Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is so hard. But that's why we sing the song. It's not just normal grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. It's not Ordinary grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Not run of the mill grace, not equitable grace, and certainly not partisan grace. But instead, and I don't have a voice, so you ought to sing it yourself. We sing Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. This week, let us be givers and receivers of amazing grace over and over and over again. Let us be aware of the judgments that we're making of other people, and think about this, too the judgments we make out loud with our words, but let's be aware of the judgments that we're keeping inside of our own heads and our hearts as well. And ask the question in that moment, is it right for you to be judgmental? Let us embrace and remember as we sit in the belly of a fish that we have received that amazing grace. Thank God an entire city of 120,000 people received it as well. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your amazing grace. For the ways in which we understand it in our lives and our stories. And God, forgiveness is hard. It is hard for us to forgive other people. And God, we ask that as we struggle to forgive other people, we might become even more in awe of you and your forgiveness. Help us cleanse our hearts so that we are not judgmental. But instead, we can look at all of those we come into contact with with the same love that you have for them. Let us sit on a hill overlooking Fairview and Allen and Lucas and McKinney and Frisco and Plano and look at people that you have forgiven and let us rejoice in that. It's in your name that we ask these things, amen.
0: Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing. Be sure to check out our social media pages at creekwoodumc and our website creekwoodumc.org for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.